Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is the John Campia Show, the best damn movie-related show on the planet Earth. And we are so glad that you are here and decided to spend part of your American Thanksgiving here with us today. Happy American Thanksgiving to all of my American friends out there and American expats living all over the world. Uh, we are glad you're here today. You might notice that today's John Campia show looks uh, a little different. Uh, it is, of course, American Thanksgiving. Uh, of course, uh, real Thanksgiving is in October, what some of you might refer to as Canadian Thanksgiving, uh, but it is American Thanksgiving here. So our uh, staff and crew, we, we gave them the day off and we also gave them tomorrow off as well. So uh, to give them a four day weekend. So um, we weren't gonna do a show today, you know what? I decided let's all just get together and chat anyway, even if it's just you and me. Here we are talking about our favorite things in the world. I'm glad you guys are joining us today. And I hope you have a great day lined up in front of you. I know I do. A little bit later today, me and Ann and Ray and Ann's mom and Ann's sister and my brother-in-law, we're all going to go out for a Thanksgiving Day lunch together. I'm looking forward to that. And I hope you guys have a lot of time with your loved ones today as well. All right. Here's how today's show is going to go. It's a little bit different than a normal show. As you can see, it's just me. But we got a couple of things that we're going to talk about uh, as a predetermined topics off the top. And then we're just going to spend the rest of the day taking your live comments and questions. If you've got a live comment, question, thought, opinion, or theory that you'd like me to read and address here on the show, go ahead and submit that using the Super Chat feature. Unlike regular shows, the Super Chat feature is now open. I will only leave it open until I think enough questions come in that I can handle, and then I'm going to turn them off. But the Super Chats are actually open right now. So if you guys have something you'd like me to address, go ahead and fire that in. All right. With that stuff down here, guys, let's get into our more relaxed uh, show here today, shall we? And our first topic today is this. You know, one of my favorite MCU characters, I'd say my second favorite MCU character is Thor. Uh, my favorite is Steve Rogers. Uh, Chris Evans is Captain America, which is funny because Captain America is nowhere near my top favorite comic book characters. Like, I'd say Captain America is probably not even in my top 20, to be honest. But in the MCU, I love Steve Rogers in the MCU. Favorite character, my second is Thor. I think Thor, you guys who've watched me for any period of time, you know how I feel about this. I think Thor, the first one directed by Kenneth Branagh, is the second most underrated comic book film of all time. I think that movie is absolutely genius. It's beautifully done. I love the themes throughout the movie. The performances are great. I love what Kenneth Branagh brought to that. And other than Man of Steel, which you know I think is the most underrated comic book film of all time, uh, I think Thor, the original Thor, is second. Now, I wasn't a big fan of Thor 2, but I loved Thor Ragnarok. Taika Waititi came on board and did Thor Ragnarok, and I absolutely love Thor Ragnarok. That movie's fantastic. And so we were all really excited about Thor Love and Thunder. And listen, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I enjoyed Thor Love and Thunder. Um, by the end of the day, when the movie was done and I had walked out, I had had a smile on my face. I had a good experience walk, watching it. But that didn't mean that I didn't have some major issues with it. And the main issue that I, of course, had with the Thor Love and Thunder was that what was so great about Thor Ragnarok, where Taika Waititi brought his incredible sensibilities and he really knew how to strike a balance between the more lighthearted, 
kind of humor with some really dark themes. Like some very, very dark stuff happens in Thor Ragnarok. The death of Odin, the destruction of Asgard, Thor losing his eye, having to kill his sister. You know, there's a lot of dark themes in there. And Taika Waititi struck a really fun, entertaining, and engaging balance in Thor Ragnarok. But by the time we get into Thor Love and Thunder, he they skewed way too much that way. Like they lost balance. And Taika Waititi and, and the team behind Thor, uh, Thor Love and Thunder, they decided to lean a lot more into the silly. And a lot of it didn't work. I'm going to admit, some of it did. Some of it made me laugh out loud. And that's why I say I still liked Thor Love and Thunder. I walked out having had a decent time. But it was nowhere near as good as Thor Ragnarok, again, because they went too far one way. Well, a lot of people feel that way. And have been saying that, man, they need to change up what Thor is. And we're not the only ones. Chris Hemsworth himself is now saying that if they do another Thor movie, the tone needs to drastically change. Now, let's look at what Chris Hemsworth actually said here, shall we? Hemsworth said this. He said, you look at Thor 1 and 2, they were quite similar. They were. I mean, one was superior, but at any rate. Uh, when you look at Thor 1 and 2, they were quite similar. Ragnarok and Love and Thunder are similar. I think it's about reinventing it. I've had such a unique opportunity with Infinity War and Endgame to do very drastic things with the character. I enjoy that. I like keeping people on their toes. It keeps me on my toes. It keeps me invested. I've said this before, but when it becomes too familiar, I think there's a risk of getting lazy then because I know what I'm doing. I don't know if I'm even invited back, but if I, but if I was... I think it would have to be a drastically different tone. Get that part again. He's saying, I'm not even sure I'm invited back, but if I were invited back, it would have to be a drastically different version in tone. Everything. Uh, for my own sanity, laughs. Uh, he laughs. Thor lost his mind in that last one. He's got to figure it out now. All right, read that last part again. I don't even know if I'm invited back. But if I was, I think I would have to be a drastically different version in tone because Thor lost his mind and now he's got to figure it out. I think, look, uh, let's not pretend that we're inside Chris Hemsworth's brain and Chris Hemsworth's head and we know what he's thinking or anything like that. But I mean, obviously Chris Hemsworth understands how a lot of the audience reacted to Thor Love and Thunder. He understood. He heard a lot of people like myself and many of you say, hey, you know what? We love Thor. You're great as Thor. Thor Ragnarok's great, but this one just went too silly. Now, guys, I mean, what a name another movie that is even trying to remotely take itself seriously that shows up to a city of gods and there's literally a dumpling and he's called Bao, the god of dumplings. I mean, well, I'm not going to lie, that did put something of a smile on my face when it first happened. I thought, oh my God, that's adorable. But it represents that way too much into the silly. Right? And what what is a little bit concerning when you look at Thor and you look at Chris Hemsworth's Thor, here's where I get quite worried, is that 
Thor seems to be becoming the new Captain Jack Sparrow. And you might be wondering, well, John, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is, and, and some of you have heard me uh, talking about this before, was that when you look at the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, in the first Pirates movie, Captain Jack Sparrow was, you know, there, there was certainly a, a beloved clown nature to him, for sure. But at the same time, Captain Jack was a feared pirate, right? He was feared and respected. And when things got serious, he was like, you don't trifle with me. He was not to be messed with. But as the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise wore on, Captain Jack just became more and more of a clown to the point where in the last one or two movies, he didn't, he didn't have, he wasn't competent at all. Like any successes that Captain Jack had in the um, Pirates of the Caribbean movies ended up just being accidental because he just became a clown, a lovable but incompetent clown that would just accidentally succeed, right? And I, I'm not saying that Thor Love and Thunder got that bad, but you can see that that's kind of the path they've got him on. And I don't want that to happen with Thor. I love Chris Hemsworth as Thor. I love that Thor has is a character that has levity to him. Like I was reading in the live chat earlier, some of you guys were in the live chat earlier and talking and a bunch of people saying they want uh, Eggers, the director of The Northmen and the director of Witch, and they want Eggers to do a Thor movie. No. I love Eggers. I love Eggers. I love Witch. I love North. I love his movies. Absolutely love them. Let's be very, very clear about that. But he's not right for Thor at all because Thor absolutely needs to have that. He needs to have that balance. Like whereas Thor Love and Thunder went way too far one way, the answer is not to take it way too far the other way. Just make Thor this brooding, dark, stoic. No, no, no. That's not the answer for Thor. The answer is to get it back to that balance. Thor is a character who in the MCU has always had a sense of levity to him at times. Chris Hemsworth has great comedic timing. You need to keep that, but you need to get it back into balance. And you know what else is funny? It is crazy how fast everybody has turned on Taika Waititi. Because, yeah, I get it, and I agree. In Thor Love and Thunder, they went way too far into the silly, Right? Way too far on that. I agree. I 100% agree. But now all of a sudden, like, I I cannot believe how short of memories we as movie fans have sometimes, both positively and negatively. We have incredibly short memories. Because, like, everybody's like, oh, Taika Waititi needs to go. He doesn't, he's just way too silly. He can't do anything. Guys, this is the same guy who did Thor Ragnarok. This is the same guy who did uh, Jojo Rabbit. This is the same guy who won an Academy Award for Jojo Rabbit. This is the same. I mean, when you look at Taika Waititi's resume, it's incredible. Look at what he did on Mandalorian. What he did with Mandalorian was fantastic. And yeah, I agree. Thor Love and Thunder was a bad day at the office. I agree. Thor Love and Thunder, I think, was his weakest effort. Absolutely. But it's like... I, it's frustrating that we as film fans sometimes go, oh, somebody just had a bad outing. Well, they're terrible now. Get rid of them, blah, blah. This same dude won an Academy Award for Jojo Rabbit. 
This is the same dude who maybe did the best job or second best job directing the episodes of Mandalorian. This is the same guy who gave us what we do in the shadows. I mean, so we kind of think, now, do I think Taika Waititi will be back for Thor 5? I don't. I, I honestly don't. Now, I would be okay if he did. I'd be perfectly fine with it because he's a great director. I would just hope that if he did come back for Thor 5, that he would recognize what went wrong with Thor Love and Thunder. Again, I like the movie, but it's the weakest of his efforts. And they there's a bunch I have issues with. But I would hope that if he came back, he would recognize what he did and get back more towards that balance. Because even in his movie Jojo Rabbit, like even that had a balance to it, right? There was definitely moments where we were laughing out loud and definitely moments where we were crying. And if he can get back to that balance, I think a Taika Waititi uh, doing another Thor, doing a Thor 5, totally works. Totally works. Yes, he had one bad day at the office. But if if you don't recognize that Taika Waititi is a brilliant filmmaker and a brilliant storyteller because he did one movie that didn't live up to his standards, I, I, I don't know what to say. I think that's a drastic overreaction. Now, even though I just said that, even I will admit, if Kevin Feige were to give me a call this afternoon and he said, happy American Thanksgiving, John, I would say, thank you, Kevin. And Kevin said to me, you know, John, I'm, 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 I'm struggling with something here. I've, I've got an issue. I, I need your input. I say, yes, Kevin, you know, I'm always here for you, Kevin. What do you need? And he says, John, you know, we're looking at doing Thor 5 and I'm trying to decide whether or not to bring Taika back. Do you think we should get Taika back to direct Thor 5? I would probably advise Kevin, no. But I would also tell him, I don't think it's a bad decision if you do, but I think maybe Thor now, we had him, you had him do a couple of Thor films. I think it's time to just bring in some fresh perspective. Let's call it that. Fresh perspective to the character. Now, if you want to bring him back, it can still work totally. But I think... For fresh perspective, it might be a good idea to get somebody else. So that would be what I would think about that. Anyway, I want to ask you guys, what do you think about this? Chris Hemsworth is saying if they do another Thor movie, he thinks it needs to be a drastically, that's his wording, it needs to have a drastically different tone. Do you agree with him? Do you not agree with him? Do you think Taika Waititi should come back to do another one? Maybe absolutely yes. Maybe absolutely no. Maybe a maybe. I don't know. Whatever you guys think, jump down into the comment section below. And let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. Listen, we got another topic that we're going to get into here today. But before we do, I want to take a second and thank a sponsor of today's episode of the John Campia Show. They keep me fresh and smooth and feeling nice in the nether regions. Our friends at Manscaped. Guys, we want to take a second and thank a sponsor of this video, Manscaped. This holiday season, I'll be giving thanks to our friends over at Manscaped. Everyone loves turkey and stuffing, but you'll be looking like dessert with the help of Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming have blessed you with the ultimate Thanksgiving dinner topic. Tell your in-laws about your new cutting-edge ball trimmer and gift yourself or the man in your life the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Trim up your pumpkins by going to manscaped.com and use the code CAMPIA for free shipping and 20% 
20% off. And this year I am so thankful for Manscaped because like most of you guys, I used to use Neanderthalic Dark Age methods to trim my balls. Not anymore, thanks to Manscaped. It's time for all of us to give thanks to Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, or as I like to call it, the perfect package for your package. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver ball deodorant, Crop Reviver toner, Performance Boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. The heart of the package, their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code CAMPIA at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the promo code CAMPIA. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. And thank you to Manscaped for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. All right, guys, with that down, let's talk about one more main thing off the top here before we get into your live comments and questions, shall we? And that one is this. You know, when you talk about the modern era of Star Wars, uh, maybe even all of Star Wars, everything they've done has been successful, except for one thing, Solo. Solo, I think it's fair to say, was not a big success. I think everybody would agree about that. It became the first Star Wars theatrically released movie, at any rate, to actually lose money. It was basically kind of a disaster. And the circus that went on behind the scenes of that movie was insane. Like they had had directors and then they lost directors. Then they went and got, you know, the directors of, uh, of uh, Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs and the 21 Jump Street crew, right? They got Lord and Miller to come in and do solo. And a lot of us were very excited about that. I know I was extremely excited about Lord Miller coming in to do a solo movie. I thought they could, their sensibilities with the whimsical nature and the scoundrel character of not only Han Solo, but Lando was going to be in there as well. I mean, I just thought it was a really, really good match. However, as many of you guys know, that went south because Lord and Miller met with uh, Kathleen Kennedy the head of Lucasfilm, and Lawrence Kasdan, who was kind of executive producing the movie. Lawrence Kasdan, who is the same guy who wrote Empire Strikes Back. He wrote Indiana Jones. I mean, he's an incredible writer. So Lawrence Kasdan and Kathy Kennedy, Lawrence Kasdan kind of a producer on the thing. And Lord Miller sit down with Kathy Kennedy and, and Kasdan, and they talk about the vision for the film. And they all come to an agreement on what the tone, what the direction of the film was going to be, what the nature and the temperature, basically, what is this solo movie going to be? And then unfortunately, and I love Lord and Miller, love Lord and Miller, but, um, and I'm often very critical of Kathleen Kennedy, but this is one of these cases where Kathleen Kennedy was actually right. Nobody wants to admit that, but this is one of the cases where Kathleen Kennedy was right. As they went in and looked at the movie that Lord and Miller were making, they realized the movie that Lord and Miller were making was not the movie they agreed to, right? They had all got together. They agreed on what the movie was going to be. And then, you know, Kasdan and Kennedy went and saw it, looked at the movie that was being put together. And they're like, this isn't the movie we agreed to. You're making something completely different. And that's not what we agreed to. And they had a lot of concerns and they were so concerned. They were so concerned 
that they decided to scrap it all together. They brought in Ron Howard, who is, you know, arguably a top 20 greatest director of all time. Some people would even have Howard in the top 10, maybe. But I, I love Ron Howard as a director. So they brought in Ron Howard and they basically had to redo like a whole ton of the movie. It ballooned the expense of the movie astronomically. He had to try to do his best. And honestly, in my opinion, I know this isn't the popular opinion, but I thought Solo was quite a fun movie. I mean, in terms of just being a good space adventure movie, I thought it was actually quite enjoyable. I mean, I don't think it's as good as Rogue One or anything like that, but I thought it was a pretty enjoyable, fun little movie. I really did. I never thought the movie was necessary. Like, I always thought making a solo... I said this from day one when they announced it. I always thought that doing a solo movie was a mistake. I always thought that. But at the end of the day, they movie the movie they made was actually pretty good. But unfortunately, it was a flop. And it lost the money. First Star Wars movie ever to lose money. The thing is, I'm not alone. There were a lot of people who actually quite appreciated and enjoyed Solo for what it was. That's a good little movie. And there's been a movement for a while to want to get a, a Solo sequel going. Well, it looks like the fans aren't the only ones. Because the writers of Solo, uh, I believe it's John Kasdan, who is Lawrence Kasdan's son, Lawrence Kasdan, again, who wrote Empire and, and uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and stuff like that. His co-writer on it, John Kasdan, is saying they're actually, he would like to do another one. They're saying they want to do another one. Uh, this comes to us from the folks over at CBR who write this. Solo, a Star Wars story writer, John Kasdan, would be immediately interested in writing a sequel to the 2018 Star Wars film if Lucasfilm ever approached him to do so. He said, I think the reason for a Solo 2 is if there's a great reason, and certainly I'd be game if there were, Kasdan said in an interview with comicbook.com. There were so many great characters that we were able to establish. For me, I guess the strongest argument for Solo 2 is that the movie was Alden Ehrenreich's journey to owning that mantle. And by the end of it, I thought he really did. And he didn't get the fun of getting to just inhabit it for a movie. So I'd love to see him back. Now, that is echoing the sentiments of his own father, uh, who also, Lawrence Kasdan, who also is uh, the co-writer on the movie, says, I do talk to my son John Kasdan and Ron Howard about it a lot, about what went right and about what went wrong with the Solo experience. The screenwriting legend said in July of 22 about a possible return to the Solo franchise. And Lawrence Kasdan said this, I would be more interested in doing another movie, not a TV series. Because there were a lot of people out there that were saying that maybe a Solo 2 as a, as a Disney Plus series. But Lawrence Kasdan shot that down saying, I'm more interested in doing it as a movie. John Kasdan saying he'd love to do it as a movie. I mean, why not? Now, he did bring up something really interesting. One of the things that I thought worked really, really well for Solo was Alden Ehrenreich as a young Han Solo. And I, I know that opinion is divided on this issue. I understand that. But as to a lot of people, only Harrison Ford will ever be Han Solo for me. And I get that, and I respect that. But when I watched this movie, I thought what was great about it, and you've heard me say this sometimes, what was great about it was he embodied Han Solo without ever trying to do a Harrison Ford impersonation. 
And that was going to be the most difficult job in the world for Alden Ehrenreich, was to step in there and try to make this Han Solo his. That he had to take out. That's what a performer's got to do. He got to try to take ownership of it. And I thought, again, he captured all the spiritual elements, I guess you could say, of Han Solo without ever making it look like he was trying to be Harrison Ford. And I thought that was key. Because if all you ever did, I know there were some people who were like, oh, go get this person because there's a couple of great Harrison Ford impersonators out there. People, oh, just go get this Harrison Ford impersonator. I'm like, that's not what a good recasting is. A good recasting is not going out and just trying to impersonate the person who played the role before. The idea is to capture the spirit of the character while making it your own. And I thought Alden Ehrenreich did that quite well, to be honest with you. And I think one of the big reasons why I enjoyed the movie. I also thought um, uh, Donald Glover was great as uh, Lando. I, I, I thought... I thought Gambino was really, really good as Lando. I quite enjoyed it. So I don't know if that Lando series is ever going to happen that they talked about at D23 and everything, but or at the uh, Disney uh, the Disney Investor Day call. I don't know if they're ever going to get around to doing that. Like at this point, I've pretty much given up on it. Actually, let me ask you guys in the live chat. Have you guys heard anything more about that Gambino-Lando show? Because remember, they said that in the Investor Day's call, that they were going to do this Lando show. But I've heard nothing. Aries is saying, uh, Aries uh, Piark in the, in the live chat is saying no. Uh, Possum is also saying no. John A.M. is saying no. Yeah, yeah, I, I've heard nothing. Which is really disappointing because that's such a high-profile thing that you think if you're going to cancel that, and it's perfectly fine if you want to cancel it, but you think if you're going to cancel a project like that, at least announce that, hey, you know what? Due to uh, Donald's busy, busy schedule and our evolving uh, production schedule as well, we're not able to make the Lando series. You'd think if you're going to announce you're doing something and then you're not going to do it, put out a little announcement say you're not going to. So I don't know. Maybe it is still going to happen. But with how busy Donald Glover is getting, I, I don't know if that's actually ever going to work out. I, I honestly, personally don't know if that's ever going to actually work out and we'll see it. But but I'd be game for it. I really would. I don't know. Question is for you guys. What did you think about Solo? Like, I, you know what? I'm going to give me a second here. I'm, I'm going to make a poll out of this. I'm simply going to ask a simple, simple, simple question for you guys who are watching live. Uh, did you enjoy Solo? Simple question. I'm not asking if you thought it was great. I'm not asking if you thought it was awful i'm not asking you if you thought it was the best thing ever or the worst thing ever just generally if you're watching live right now and you're in the live chat uh the poll is up there right now simple question did you enjoy it uh and right now 215 of you guys have already responded 75 percent of you are saying yes you enjoyed it 25 percent of you said no i think that's a pretty good average three to one uh, that you guys liked it. Now we're at about 350 votes and it's still 75%, 25. So yeah, I think the most of us enjoyed it. Would you guys be up for another movie? I personally do not think they should do another movie. I, I think the audience spoke. They weren't interested in going to go see it. I don't actually think they should make another one, but if they did, I'd I'd be down for it. Now we got over 400 votes and it's still 75 to 25, exactly the same. So there you have it, guys. So the question is for you. 
What do you think about this? Do you like the idea that John Cass is saying, hey, I would love to come back to do another solo. Would you be down to watch it? Do you think it'd be a good idea to do one? Maybe yes, maybe no. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, we are now going to spend the rest of our time here just taking your live comments and questions that you guys fired in. The Super Chats are now closed. You guys had filled them up really, really fast. So we're going to go over and start addressing those questions and comments you guys sent in. But before we do, we're going to take a second here and thank another sponsor of our guys, show. you want to take a second uh, to thank uh, a sponsor. Oops, that's kicked in too quickly. Our friends over at DraftKings. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, should be your go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. With things like same-game parlays, easy and fast payouts, player props, and more. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. And check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Just go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same game parlay and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, total points and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Personally, I like the Rams to pull off a big upset win over the Chiefs next weekend. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code CAMPIA, place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code CAMPIA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And thank you to our friends at DraftKings for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Remember, guys, when you support our sponsors, you're actually supporting us. So if you go down to the description of this video right near the top, you'll see links to all of our sponsors and their promo codes. And again, thank you to DraftKings. All right, guys. With that down, let's now get over and start taking your live comments and questions that you guys sent in. And we're going to see if I can get this working. I haven't done these solo in a while. Ah, oh, here we go. Yes, it's working. All right, we're going to start off with Mike's Movie Madness, who writes, Hey, John, uh, taking the holiday to rest up today, but tomorrow I see the menu and Glass Onion can't wait. Yeah, I saw Glass Onion last night, and I loved it. I loved it. I think I actually liked it more than the first one. And I really enjoyed the first Knives Out. You guys know I did. I thought the mystery was great. The characters were fantastic. All the performances were wonderful. Daniel Craig. I think I, like Daniel Craig is my favorite Bond. I think I like him as Inspector Blanc more than I like him as Bond. I'm not sure, but I had a great time. I hope you enjoyed it as well, my friend. All right. Uh, next up, we got Lars Lovinson who writes, I keep rewatching the funeral procession and the change of pace that it goes through and the speech following it. I'm going to assume you're talking about the finale of Andor. Um, yeah, that, my God. I Listen, here's the thing. We always talk on this show about the fact that all entertainment is subjective, right? Because it's art and all art is subjective. If you see a certain painting and you think you say this is a good painting, you're not right or wrong. You're just saying to you, it's a good painting. Somebody else can stand beside you and look at it and have a totally different reaction to it. Neither are right or wrong. Art hits us all in different ways. And so when people like something I don't like, I go, well, I mean, I didn't like it, but I'm glad you liked it. Yay. 
and when I like something and somebody else doesn't, I go, oh, well, that sucks. I, I really liked it. I wish you did too, but oh, well. Andor is one of those shows to me that that really challenges that philosophy because I watch Andor. And again, of course, it's completely subjective. Of course it is. But I'm just saying, sometimes I feel like I'm watching Andor. I'm like, I just don't get how you don't like this. And there are people who don't like Andor. I'm sure there's some of you guys in the live chat who don't like Andor. And there's nothing wrong with that. Hell, I didn't like the original Blade Runner. And everybody loves the original Blade Runner. So there's nothing wrong with that if you didn't like it. But I'm just saying, like, when I watch it personally, from my own personal point of view, I just I just don't get how somebody doesn't love this show. It's incredible. And that whole funeral procession and the speech that's given. And the way that Luthen is literally witnessing on a ground level, what it means for people to rise up against their oppressors. Because I don't know if he's had that experience yet. He knows how important it is, but I don't know if he's actually had that experience. Oh my God, that whole scene was great, man. I loved that whole scene. Um, anyway, there's a, this show, it is the highest art form of Star Wars that there's been. I've always called it Star Wars for grownups. It's more of an H, it's more like what Star Wars would be if HBO did it, but it is it is easily the best thing Star Wars has ever had on television. Like, I used to wonder whether Mandalorian was the best thing or whether Andor is the best thing, but as Andor has progressed, to me personally, there's no question, this is the best thing Star Wars has ever had on TV. Uh, this is going to win awards. I mean, this Andor is going to win awards, but anyway, that again, it's all subjective. We all have our different opinions, but that's kind of how I feel about it. All right. Thanks for that, Lars. All right, next up, we got Connor, Connor Dixon who writes, is there any new tech you're keeping your eye out for yourself, for yourself or the studio? Appreciate the energy you and the team bring every day. I am always keeping my, out, my eye out for tech. Uh, actually, there's something I just bought. Uh, let me see if I can find it here. Uh, Stream Deck Plus, is that what it's called? Uh, let me see if I can find an image of it here. No, look at that. I can't, I can't even find a picture of it. Let me see if I can uh, narrow it down to the time. No, what is it called? Maybe it's called a Stream Deck Pro. Is that what it's called? Oh, I can't find a picture of it. And, and I can't show it to you because it's over there. Anyway, I use these things called Stream Decks. And I think a lot of streamers do, but they just came out with a new one that actually has like four sets of control knobs, a touch screen on it. I bought it. It's actually sitting, I'm looking at it right now. Oh, wait a second. No, I moved it. Hold a second. Let me see if I can grab it here. Okay. Um, this is the new Stream Deck Plus, I think they call it. Uh, as you can see, it's got like the knobs on it and thing. I've got a, a, like eight Stream Decks. But this is one that I bought, and I think with the knobs, it's going to give me give us a lot more control over different things. So that's something I'm really looking forward to uh, to using. The biggest thing I'm looking forward to is a webcam with actual prime lens attached to it, like an f 1.8 something like that webcam with actual proper i mean it'll be a little bit more expensive but it's got to be less expensive than these uh, 700 camera i have to use 700 camera and lens combination that i need to use i'd be looking forward to that that's a piece of tech i'd be really looking forward to all right uh thanks for that connor next up we've got josh becker who writes 
Saw Bones and All, Glass Onion, and Fablemans, and they were all amazing. All of them made my top 10 uh, of the year. Great week for movies. I have still not seen Bones and All. Very, very excited about that because it's got Timothy Chalamet in there, who I think is the next Daniel Day-Lewis. Uh, so I'm really excited. I'm glad to hear you hear you say, Josh, that you really enjoyed it. That gives me a lot of uh, a lot of hope. But again, that yeah, Glass Onion. Ah, oh, I had so much fun with Glass Onion, guys. Make sure you go take Josh's recommendation. Go check that out. All right, Justin D writes. Uh, did you finish uh, Killing Eve? I thought seasons three and four were not good, but loved the first two. Your thoughts? I did not finish it. I didn't see season four. Um, I should finish at some point, but. I'm like you. I really like seasons one and two a lot. I thought three started to lose its direct. I mean, the performances were still great. I thought season three started, but I did not see the final season of it. No, I did not. All right. Uh, next up, uh, we've got Sam Fisher who writes, I know we talked about Glass, Onion, and Knives Out Mystery being a clunky title, but the, the phrase a Knives Out Mystery is not actually in the movie title card. Hmm. You know what? It's not. And by the way, I hated the title Glass Onion. When you see the movie, it really couldn't have been called anything else. Like I'm not, again, you guys know when we talked about it, it's like Glass Onion. I mean, that's not a good title. But when you see the movie, you're like, how other than Knives Out 2, which is really what they just should have called it, Knives Out 2. But other than Knives Out 2, once you see the movie, you'll I think you'll agree that there is no other title you possibly could have had for this film. So that's how I feel about that. And you know what, Sam? I don't think I noticed that. I don't think I noticed that. I'll have to take... I'll, 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 when I go back to watch it again, and I am going to go back and watch it again, but I, I will look for that. But I did not notice that the title card didn't have that in there. I'll, thank you for the heads up on that, Sam. All right, next up. Uh, Cardo the Bassist writes... Uh, watched Moonfall. <laughs> Have you ever played Prey? It's the, it's like Roland got a synopsis of that game and mixed it with Terminator. It was watchable at least. I don't know that Moonfall was very watchable. Now I, I have never heard of Prey. Uh, to be honest with you, like the only Prey I know is the Predators movie that that's out on Hulu. That's the only one I know about. Man, I don't know. I thought Moonfall had a lot of potential to be a dumb but fun movie. You know what I mean? Dumb but fun. And it was just dumb. <laughs> I, I, I mean, if you got some enjoyment out of it, that's awesome. I'm glad that you did. I wish I did because I didn't get any enjoyment out of it at all, man. All right. Thanks for writing that in, Cardo. All right. Lost Anchor Films writes, Saw After Sun at the Austin Film Festival, and wow, me and my theater were speechless. Didn't think anything could ever come near everything everywhere uh, this year for me, but this is close. It's a masterpiece. I've not even heard of this. What's it called? After Sun? Uh, let's see if we can find this. After Sun on IMDb is a movie that came out this year. Let me see if I can bring it up on screen here. Movie came out this year. It stars Paul... Meskai, Frankie Corio, uh, Celia Rolson Hall, directed by Charlotte West. I'm not really familiar with it. Sophie reflects on the shared joy and private melancholy of a holiday she took with her father 20 years earlier. Memories real and imagined fill the gaps between as she tries to reconcile the father she knew with the man that she didn't. 
Oh, it sounds really nice. Again, I, I, I'm not even familiar with this uh, film, man. Thanks for bringing that up and putting it on my radar. All right. Next up, uh, we've got a Ben Rayner who writes, Hey, John, and hey, happy Thanksgiving. Oh, and Ben's super chatting like 25 bucks. Thank you, Ben, for supporting us on that level on this American Thanksgiving. Thank you for that. Uh, hey, John, and happy Thanksgiving. Uh, thanks for doing a show today. I'm grateful that one day in June of 2013, after seeing Man of Steel, something brought me to YouTube and look up reviews and found you, Schnepp, and Clark Wolf uh, talking. Um, let me see if I can find part two. Talking. Uh, that was my gateway into the space and never been happier. So thank you for that. Oh, Ben, thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. You know, it is still hilarious to this day. How many people still today say they originally found us from the Man of Steel thing? That It's incredible. No one review that I had ever done uh, has ever generated that kind of uh, response was that Man of Steel review. And it's just incredible how many people are still around to this day. So thank you for that. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Ben. Thank you for supporting our channel. And uh, thank you for being here all that time. All right. Next up, uh, Jonathan Schultz writes, watched finale of Andor last night and my God, so freaking good. This show also has some of the best epic monologues between Kino, Luthen, and Marva, plus uh, Nemec's manifesto. I'll, I'll tell you what, this show is so next level. Like I never thought Lucasfilm was capable of something like what this show is. Um, every character is rich, right? Luthen, obviously Andor, Mon Mothma, Mon Mothma's cousin, Bix, um, I, I mean, uh, Cassian's friend, even the freaking droid, even the freaking droid, uh, Daedra, the, I mean, everything about this show, Jonathan, I, I was just floored by it and I'm really bummed out for two things. Number one, that the season's over, but number two, we got to wait two years until we get season two, which is bullshit. Uh, but whatever, it is what it is. Anyway, glad you liked it too, man. All right, next up. The Swifties writes, Happy Thanksgiving to the John Campia crew. I'm thankful that I still have you guys around. Uh, a grew a bond with my coworkers. I hope you have a wonderful day watching Glass Onion today and bring on the filthy. Well, thank you so much for that, Swifties. And I already went to go see Glass Onion. It's fantastic. I hope you have a great time. I'm going to be very interested to see how this does at the box office this weekend. Because remember, the Glass Onion... This thing is an experiment for Netflix. This is the first time they're ever seriously putting a movie in theaters. Even though it's only for a week, this is the biggest step out into the theatrical experiment they've ever done. And I'm going to be really, really interested to see how well it does. I know my theater was almost full. It wasn't, it wasn't sold out, but it was almost full. So... I hope it does well, and I hope it encourages Netflix to look at bringing more of their movies to theaters because it'll be better for them because, number one, they'll make some money in the theaters, and number two, more people will want to go and watch it on Netflix if it had a theatrical release first. I mean, that's been proven. They've done studies of this. So I hope it works out well for them. All right. Uh, let's see. Next up, that was the Swifties. Uh, Mike's Movie Madness writes, when do you think we'll get a good sense of what are the potential Oscar favorites will be after Christmas, maybe? Well, I mean, no, I think sometime in the next couple of weeks, although Christmas is just like six weeks away. Um, but I mean, 
after Christmas, the eligibility ends, right? So every movie has to be out. I think we're already starting to get a picture of it from Tar and the Fablemans and Till and Everything Everywhere, Top Gun Maverick. I mean, I think we're starting to get a little bit of a picture, but probably in about two or three weeks, maybe a week or two before Christmas, I think is when you're going to start seeing a really solid picture about what the Oscar races are going to be like. And I'm looking forward to that, Mike. All right, next up, Sam Fisher writes, um, okay, I, I will, it doesn't give anything away, but I, I do love this line. This was my favorite line in it. Sam writes, I love the line in Glass Onion. It's dangerous to confuse speaking without thinking and speaking the truth. Um, I love this line. I love this line. There's, without giving any context or which characters say which, there's a line in Glass Onion. This doesn't give you any sense of the story where, you know, one character just says, you know, that's my thing. I just speak the truth. I just speak the truth. And uh, Daniel Craig's character Inspector Blanc says, it's dangerous to confuse speaking without thought to speaking the truth. It's dangerous to confuse speaking without thought with speaking the truth. There's a lot of people just, I just say what, 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 call it like I see, I just call it, it's like, well, don't confuse speaking thoughtlessly with, with speaking truth. Those are two different things. But anyway, you're right. It's a great line in the movie. It's, I absolutely loved it. Um, I mean, I might get a tattoo of that line, I think. Not really, but I mean, if I did. All right. Sam Fisher also writes. Um, uh, oh, oh, sorry. And there was two. I didn't know that was one of two, Sam. Uh, of his new character, White Dragon. What? I did not see a part one to this, Sam. Okay. Um, okay. I'll, I'll just try to read it. Two of two, of his of of his new character, White Dragon, from his passion project for the first time. For some reason, they got separated during the open mic Monday. Sorry, man. I don't know what it is we're talking about. Sorry about that, Sam. All right. Ben Rayner writes. Uh, oh, we already got that one from Ben. Uh, David Gonzalez sends in a twenty dollars super check. Thank you, David. Appreciate that, man. With the direction Andor has went. It has given hope since the sequels. Let me try this again. With the direction Andor has went, it has given hope since the sequels that Star Wars finally has good stewards of this universe. I'm even more excited for the Acolyte now. Well, I mean, it, it's it's Tony Gilroy. It, I, look, here's the thing too. Unfortunately, Tony Gilroy is not making the Acolyte, but we've got the showrunner from Russian Dolls, which everybody loves. Who's doing Acolyte? I'm very excited about Acolyte. While I am one of those persons, you guys know, for the past four, four years, I've been one of these people that thinks Kathleen Kennedy needs to move on. I, I think she's great. I'm a huge admirer of Kathleen Kennedy. I think she's one of the greatest producers of all time. All of that is true. And it is also true that I think she needs to move on from the Lucasfilm job. I've been saying that for years. But... Give credit where credit is due. All, all these halfwits who want to just jump up and down and blame Kathy Kennedy for everything that's gone wrong with Lucasfilm over the last number of years, and she does deserve a good portion of the blame. I agree. But when you do that, you also have to be ready to give credit where credit is due. You can't blame her for how bad Obi-Wan was and not give her any credit for how good Mandalorian is. 
You can't blame her for how bad Book of Boba Fett was and then give her no credit for how good uh, Andor is. Like you either give her no blame and no credit or you give her blame and credit and equal share. And the reality is under Kathy Kennedy, there's been some big wins. Mandalorian was a big win. Andor's a big win. Uh, I think a lot of people appreciate the fact that she brought back Rebels for or uh, uh, Clone Wars for a final season. Um, I, I think the uh, the Tales of the Jedi, I was a little mixed on it, but a lot of people really liked it. That was a big thing. Rogue One was fantastic. I think The Force Awakens is a, is a fantastic... I think Force Awakens is the best Star Wars movie other than the original trilogy. I mean, she's got some big wins. And you got to give credit where it's due. And yet I still feel that maybe the problems that she's had trying to run this company outweigh it. And I think she needs to move on and go, but you got to give credit where it's due. And, and Andor, you know, Andor is one of those things. She had to sit there. They had to give her the pitch and she had to recognize the potential of it and then put pieces in place to actually make it come into reality and then equip the people who were going to make it and then set them off to go. That's what her job is. And with Andor, she crushed it. With Mandalorian, like you got to remember, everybody, like, you know, she doesn't deserve any credit, but only Jon Favreau deserves credit for that. Well, Jon Favreau deserves a lot of credit, but Jon Favreau himself said, like, you got to understand, Kathy Kennedy's got a stack of like 300 proposals on her desk about Star Wars shows they should be doing on Disney+. And she identified the pitch from Jon Favreau she identified that the Mandalorian as being as an idea of having a lot of potential. She saw what that show could be. She brought in John Favreau. They discussed it. And then it was her idea for all these people who love Dave Filoni so much. It was her idea. John Favreau tells this story. It was her idea to match Dave Filoni up with John Favreau. John Favreau tells a story. I was there at D23 as he was on stage and telling the story about how Kathy said, this is great, but what I want to do is I want to match you up with Dave Filoni. Um, I think the two of you would work really great together. I think you'll find him to be a great guy to work with. And I, I think you guys together can make magic out of this, out of this uh, property. And she did that. But nobody wants to give her credit for that. And you have to. She should get blame for Book of Boba Fett. She should get some blame for Obi-Wan. She should get some blame for all the blame for having no plan with the Star Wars sequel trilogy. I thought the first one was great, but if you've got no plan, your weaknesses start to show. And Anyway, but you got to give credit where credit's due. And uh, that's why, because she has crushed it with a couple of them, I got a lot of hope for Andor. Eh, we'll see how it goes. All right. Thanks a lot for that, David. Next up, Sam Fisher writes, John, Funko just announced Luke Skywalker in his pose from the Star Wars poster pop with the Star Wars poster behind it. Are you talking about like the original Star Wars poster where like he's standing up holding the lightsaber over his head and Princess Leia is like sitting on the ground in front of him? How do you make a pop out of that? How would that look as a pop? I'm not, I can't even, I'm having a hard time even imagining um, what that pop would look like. But with the poster behind it, that actually sounds pretty cool. I will keep my eye open for that, Sam. Thank you for letting me know about it. All right. It's Dabat uh, who writes in, In Rogue One, Andor asks the blind guy if he's a Jedi after he takes out the stormtroopers. Sounds like Andor came across a Jedi before. 
Not many people knew of Jedi at the time. No, everybody knew about the Jedi. You got like imagine today in the world of the internet, right? If all of a sudden they said um, somebody came in and got rid of the New York Yankees, just got rid of them. Well, you can try to wipe the New York Yankees from everybody's, you know, from from new you, news can't talk about whatever. But the fact of the matter is there are hundreds of thousands of books. They're all over the Internet. You can't swipe the Internet like people in the Star Wars universe knew about Jedi because they had been around for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Right. And they had only been gone for what? A couple of decades, a couple of decades. Now, that being said, I am one of those people who kind of buys into the theory that maybe we're going to find out Luthan was a Jedi. Maybe. I still think maybe that little stick of his might just in fact be a lightsaber. Again, I don't know. I don't know, but that's uh, that's my thing. By the way, did somebody just gift a membership? Uh, Wade Kilman just gifted five John Campia channel memberships. Thank you, Wade. That's incredibly generous of you, man. Thank you very much for doing that, dude. All right, let's keep going here. Uh, that was it's debat. Next up, we've got David Viralia, who writes. Hey, John, big fan here. Thank you so much, David. Uh, GG's to your Leafs uh, game since they beat my Devils last night and snapped our 13-game win streak. Enjoy the day with family and bring on the filthy. How good are the Devils this year? How good are they? I mean, I used to have a lot of fun watching the Devils when Martin Brodeur was their goaltender, who I think is a top five goalie of all time. Martin Brodeur was an amazing goalie. I mean, him, Patrick Waugh, even though he was a goalie for the Canadians, and I hated the Canadians, Dominic Hasek, and But I think Martin Brodeur ranks right up there. I got a lot of love for the Devils. More love for my Leafs, but a lot of love for the Devils. All right. Uh, let's see. Next up here. Um, where are we at? Josh Becker writes, do you think Shazam should have stayed in December rather than moving to March, going against Scream 6, Creed 3, and John Wick 4. All right. Here's the reality. While Scream did pretty well, um, let me just bring this, bring this up. While Scream did pretty well, it's not like it was a barn burner, right? Scream made $140 million worldwide. Like, not $140 million on its opening weekend. It made $140 million worldwide. And what about Creed? Well, Creed 2 didn't do bad, but in total, it made $214 million in total. That's that's not bad, but it's not like it's some monstrous thing. The biggest worry I would have is John Wick, but even then, I don't know that John Wick like blew up at the box office. It had its best thing ever at $328 million. And that's very good. That's very good. But it's not like Thor Love and Thunder's $760 million. It's not like Top Gun's $1.4 billion. So while there are some solid movies there, there's definitely some solid movies there. Um, I, I don't think that's... All that bad. I think that's a nice lineup for the movies. 
It'll get people going to the theaters. And I think Shazam can do pretty well there. I actually think it does. So I think, yeah, I think it's going to do just fine where it is there, Josh. Good question, though, man. All right. Next up. We got Sam Fisher who writes, I'm so glad I looked for an end scene credit for Andor, but I wish Andor season two was more like season one, covering uh, four years before the Battle of Yavin, and it got seasons three through five covering uh, three through one. I, I don't agree. I don't agree. I think they had an idea for a story, and I want them to do whatever way they think their story will work best. And if they've got this idea for a story, so for those of you who don't know, um, season two of Andor is also going to be 12 episodes, but every three episodes will be like its own little story that covers one year. So this was like, um, yeah, this was like uh, five years before the Battle of Yavin. That's the original Star Wars movie. And then the next one, the first three episodes will be four years before the Battle of Yavin. The next three episodes will be three. The next will be two. The next will be one. And then it ultimately just kind of ends up right near where Rogue One picks up. Hell, we might even see, you know, the main characters meet. I I don't know what they're going to do. They might recreate that scene. They might not. But uh, it's a really interesting way of doing it. And I'll tell you what, I am fascinated uh, with them taking that approach, man. So I just wish we didn't have to wait two years to get the next season. That's the only thing. All right. Uh, Josh Becker just sends in a super chat to be supportive. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate that, man. Uh, next up, Julian Crowhurst writes, uh, could you say your classic bye-bye, but add grr? Oh, bye-bye grr. But get it, Bob Iger. Uh, at the end, so it sounds like Bob Iger. Happy US Thanksgiving. Bye-bye grr. I guess it does kind of sound like that. Okay, I'll give you points for that one, Julian. All right, next up. Sean Donahue sends in like a $50 super chat on this Thanksgiving. Thank you so much, Sean, for saying that's incredibly generous of you, man. I appreciate that very much. Um, what does Sean have to say? Sean writes, have you ever thought about doing a UFC fight companion video? I watch Rogan and without him talking about UFC, I wouldn't have become such a big UFC fan. I wish I would hear you talking about UFC more often. I was just at the last one in MSG. Oh, that's awesome. And it was crazy. That was a great card. That was a great card. Um, so, uh, yeah, look, I am a big Everybody knows I'm I'm a big 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 UFC fan. Uh, I've one one of the very first things I did when I moved to LA. Actually, I was training in Canada, but one of the very first thing I did when I moved to LA uh, was I started training at Randy Couture's gym and Boss Rutens. And I'm I'm just a big big fan of MMA. Love the whole thing. You know, me and Dennis get together. For a lot of UFCs, we, we like me, Dennis and Ray are constantly texting each other about UFCs and stuff like that. I love the UFC. The reality is I don't have time. Um, my, my time is completely booked. I, I just don't have time to do other videos. And besides like doing a UFC specific video does not fit on my channel. Cause that's like way out in left field of what my channel's about. Like I'll talk a little UFC during a show, but I don't do dedicated videos about UFC or football or hockey or anything like that, even though I'm a huge sports fanatic. So I would have to create an entirely different YouTube channel. Again, it's just, I don't have time. I don't have time. Now there was a time 
uh, when I was at Collider still, that Collider said they they were getting close to getting the UFC to sponsor us doing a UFC MMA show. And they even had some people flying from New York to sit down with me and Dennis and we talked about it and all that kind of stuff. Unfortunately, they weren't able to make it happen. But uh, for my own channel, I just don't have the time. And even if I did have the time, it doesn't fit with the with the personality of my channel. So I'd have to create an entirely new channel. So that's why I don't do that, unfortunately, Sean. But I'm glad you're a big UFC fan. I'm jealous that you got to be at that UFC at MSG. That was a great, great card. Uh, one of the most stunning championship upsets since, I don't know, since George St. Pierre uh, lost to, uh, oh, damn it. What's his name? The guy from New Jersey. Help me out in the live chat. Anybody know who we're talking about? The guy in New Jersey, uh, the guy who beat George St. Pierre, uh, to win the title. And then George St. Pierre came back and beat his ass in the remake. And Matt Sarah. Thank you, Charles. I don't know why I froze on Matt Sarah's name, but yeah, that style bender upset that I think that's the biggest upset since that Matt Sarah, George St. Pierre fight. But, uh, oh, man, I'm super jealous you got to be there, Sean. Amazing. And, again, thank you so much for supporting us on that level, man. All right. Uh, next up, uh, we've got uh, Big Mouth Stan who writes, What happened to good romantic comedies? The last one I absolutely loved was Crazy Stupid Love. I love that movie. I'm so glad you brought it up. Uh, and that was a decade ago. Can you name any recent romantic comedies you think that were good? I mean, I, I here's the problem, Big Mouth. I would need to have a big list in front of me to go through and, and say, so I, I, I don't know if I can think any of, uh, of any at the top of my head. I don't know if I can think of any off the top of my head. Uh, some people saying ticket to paradise. I didn't like ticket to paradise. Big sick. Um, the, the freeze man in the live side is saying the big sick. I don't know that I would qualify that as a romantic comedy, but I love the big sick. Uh, Jordan Ellis just brought up a really, really good one in the live chat. Crazy rich Asians. That's great. I love Crazy Crazy Rich Asians. That one's good. Uh, Lost City of Gold was also not bad. Actually, I, I mean, I didn't love Lost City of Gold, or Lost Cities is called, but I thought that was good. I don't think Step Brothers is a romantic comedy. Uh, uh, Michael brings up a good one in the live chat, Palm Springs. I like Palm Springs. Again, I don't know if I call that a romantic comedy um, or not. But yeah, so already a bunch of guys in the live chat have already come up with a few... Um, and, uh, yeah, so there you go. Uh, so somebody's saying, Daniel's saying Deadpool, I guess in some ways, the first Deadpool movie was a romantic comedy in some ways. So there have been a few, but obviously not many, right? There obviously haven't been, the fact that we're, we're stretching for crazy rich Asians and, and maybe Palm Springs and stuff like that. I mean, there hasn't been a lot. I miss good romantic comedies. Trainwreck wasn't bad either. Yeah, uh, PG, but that was a while ago. That was like, what, seven years ago now? Um, Always Be My Maybe. Yaw, dup, yaw F, that's another good one. Yep, Always Be My Maybe is definitely a good one. Definitely Maybe was like, I think that was more than 10 years ago, RJ, unfortunately. So yeah, there have been some, but you're right. I love a good romantic comedy, We and we have not been getting many of them. All right. Uh, next up, A. Marcellus writes, Happy Thanksgiving, John. Thank you so much, A. Marcellus. I'm enjoying my four-day weekend with Turkey, then Leftovers, new Pokemon games, and God of War Ragnarok. Boy, I tell you what, I got through the 15-hour cutscene movie of Thor, or of uh, God of, of War Ragnarok. 
and it was really good. Really, really, really good. I enjoyed the story. I think I even enjoyed the story more than the the first or the most recent God of War movie, uh, God of War game, I should say. I I just I was captivated by it. Got through all fifteen hours pretty quick, and uh, really, really enjoyed. It. I hope you have a good time with it, man. All right, uh, let's see here. Next up, that was A. Marcellus. Now we've got Mike's Movie Madness, who writes. Um, fans turning on Taika reminds me of the fans turning on Ryan Johnson after The Last Jedi. They forgot about Looper, Brick, and his episode of Breaking Bad, widely considered the best episode of the series. Oh, yeah. No, listen. I, I agree. I, like, I just don't get the mental limit limitations some of us have about and we, and we all do this we all have this mental limitation sometimes i'm i've done it you've done it but i just don't get our tendency sometimes to have such radical recency bias it's like if steven spielberg came out tomorrow and put out like some really really bad movie all of a sudden whoa steven spielberg sucks don't let him direct anything it's like he's the greatest filmmaker of all time but that's what we would do that's what a lot of film fans would do. If you put out one really crappy movie, which he's never done, ah, eh, the terminal. But if you put out, all of a sudden put out a really, really crappy movie, all of a sudden everybody, Steven Spielberg sucks, he can't direct anything, don't let him near anything. It's like, do you guys forget like he's the greatest filmmaker of all, but that's what we do. And it's one of the most frustrating things. And yeah, it really happened with uh, Ryan Johnson. And I, I, I couldn't help but just laugh at people. Because when you look at Ryan Johnson's filmography, He's clearly a great director. He's not a good director. He's a great director. And he had a bad day at the office of The Last Jedi. I, I like The Last Jedi, but I had some major issues with it. I, I feel very similar about The Last Jedi as I do about Thor, Love, and Thunder. But clearly not his best effort, right? But I couldn't help but laugh to go, people, oh, Ryan Johnson sucks as a director. He can't direct anything. I'm like, okay. Now I know never to listen to your opinion about anything regarding movies. I mean, it's fine if you hate that movie, but it's suddenly saying Ryan Johnson is suddenly a sucky director. It's like, okay, you tell me never to listen to you without saying never to listen to you. I mean, he's a fabulous director, but he put out a crappy movie. At least what a lot of people consider to be a crappy movie. Okay, that's one. Now move on. You know, every director, every actor, every everybody will have a bad day at the office. I think for Taika Waititi, Thor, Love and Thunder was a bad day at the office. I still had a good time with it, but it was, it was not up to quality. And it had some major issues. That was Taika Waititi's bad day at the office. Okay, he had a bad day at the office. Acknowledge it as such and move on. Don't suddenly forget, uh, this guy's an Academy Award winner. Don't suddenly forget he made Jojo Rabbit. Don't suddenly forget he made... Um, uh, why do you keep freezing on this? I love it. What we do in the shadows. Don't forget he did all that. Like, but that's what we as fans do. And I do not understand that tendency that we have sometimes. All right. Uh, next up. Uh, Remmer Bulldog writes, uh, where do you think Kang could pop other than Ant-Man and Loki season two? I don't think he will. I mean, obviously he's going to be in uh, Avengers Kang Dynasty, but I, I honestly don't think he's going to pop up in anything prior to Ant-Man. Uh, so after Ant-Man is done, we might see him pop up here and there. But where? I mean, any movie they do, it's possible. It's possible. They are leading up to a Kang Dynasty movie after all. So, But it, it could be in literally in any MCU thing or none of them. So it's, it's impossible to say, unfortunately. All right. Next up. 
Uh, Robert Paul Champagne writes, bring back Kenneth Branagh for the new Thor movie? I would. I would. I think he was perfect for Thor. I thought that first Thor movie he did was remarkable. I'd love to see him come back and do another one. I don't think he will, but I would love to see him come back and do another one. All right. Last thing uh, today, Under Kelly just sends in a Super Chat badge to be supportive. And guys, that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campy Show. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those Super Chats, number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And everybody involved in the show, thanks you guys so much for your support. All right, guys, we're going to end off. Don't forget, I'll be back again tomorrow. Again, all the rest of the crew has tomorrow off. But I will be back doing the show just like today, tomorrow. Although instead of at 9 a.m., our start time will be our regular 10.30 a.m. start time, Los Angeles time. So tomorrow's show will be back to our regular start time. Hope to see you guys then. So guys, we're going to go out with another sponsor, our main sponsor here on the show. And again, then I'll see you tomorrow, our friends at Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of today's video, Mint Mobile. This holiday season, the best deal in wireless can only be found at Mint Mobile. Right now, when you switch to Mint Mobile and buy any three-month plan, you'll get another three months free. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order and activate from home with eSIM while saving tons on phone plans starting at just $15 a month. Guys, you know I've been using Mint Mobile long before this holiday deal, and I have to say it is the perfect time to switch. Since I switched to Mint Mobile, I've been spending one third of what I used to spend on my mobile service with the other big name company. And with this buy three months, get three months free, not only is it a great choice for you, but it makes great gifts for the people you love. Mint Mobile's best offer of the year is here. By going online only and with eSIM and eliminating the traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile passes those significant savings on to you. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and switch easily and effortlessly with eSIM. Or if you need a new device, for a limited time, get six months of free service when you buy a selected device and plan. So guys, for a limited time, buy any three-month Mint Mobile plan and get three more months free by going to mintmobile.com campia. That's mintmobile.com campia.